I have had some amazing, big, you know, celebratory moments through my career and I saw the camaraderie that got built out of that. And one thing that we've always been focused on, win, lose or draw, is celebrating the teamwork. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Melissa Fine, CEO of IPG Media Agency Initiative Australia. She's also director of Swimming Australia and a board member of the Media Federation of Australia. Mel's also been recognised as the 2022 Mumbrella Industry Leader of the Year and the 2022 Woman of the Year and number two on the BNT Women in Media Power List and number six on the recent Media Week Agency Top 50 Power List. Clearly, she's doing something very right, as is the agency she leads, with initiative recognised for their incredible new business success and their phenomenal organic growth. Please welcome to Managing Marketing, Melissa Fine, to discuss what it takes to build and lead a high-performing team. Welcome, Mel. Thank you for having me here, Darren. It's a pleasure. Look, uh, it's been a phenomenal four years because, you know, you're appointed to the role at Initiative as the CEO and you've led it through what has to be probably one of the toughest periods for any leader with the disruption of the pandemic. Mm. And yet very early on, there were all the signs that, you know, you were, you were making waves in that business. You know, what's it been like on the inside? Yeah, I mean, there were a few ripples through the, um, the pandemic time like there was for any leader. And we talk about, you know, there was never a, a manual on how to lead a team um, through the pandemic. But I think if you go back to that first year, one of the things that I had coming into the pandemic that maybe um, some other newer leaders or different style of leaders didn't have was a team built with deep levels of friendship and camaraderie coming into what was such a difficult time for all, um, when you're trying to maintain a culture from home and you don't, as a leader, don't have the the culture already established or you don't have the camaraderie as a team, it's going to be very difficult. So uh, I felt very grateful through that period that we were able to maintain our momentum and our culture through the groundwork we did in sort of that year one and a half or year two um, and really, year, year one was probably the, the most difficult. So whilst leaders probably felt um, that they were going through some of the most difficult periods in their time through the pandemic, um, I probably felt like I'd overcome that slightly from, you know, when I first joined Initiative, I came in as uh, a leader that hadn't had any real experience at a media agency. I'd, I'd very uh, had, had pretty much majority of publisher experience in the past um, and I came in kind of complete blank, uh, blank slate of paper with nothing and no preconceived uh, conceptions on how to run a media agency. I know that, you know, a lot of other leaders have come through agencies coming up through sort of client management or strategic positions, um, but I'd never, never bought a media TV spot, never written a media plan. Um, so it was all fresh for me, uh, and I knew back then from sort of week one that I had to probably clean out some people but bring in some amazing people because more than ever I needed, you know, smarter people than me 
um, but also a team that I knew that we would, you know, trust each other and have each other's back. So it came so much about the people before I even started the product side um, when I first started. So, yes, that did help in the sort of lead into the pandemic, that's for sure. Well, it's interesting. There's quite a few things to unpack there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of them is this idea of building a team mm. that really has their roles to do, mm. but also that works together, you know, mm. just gels at it as a team. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of people inherit the team, don't mm. they? Exactly, yep. yeah. You'll have a team and you sort of, how do I work with them? Yeah. But, so you're saying you had an opportunity to really formulate that team a bit in that for, first year. Yeah, and that, that was, um, you know, part of me accepting the role. We were going through, and, and I remember because, as I said, I, I sort of came from the publisher side and initiative back then didn't have a, a really, they were a vanilla agency. They didn't have a great reputation. They'd been around, they were sort of safe and had some safe clients but weren't producing great work. As as someone who was on the publisher side, they weren't an agency that you really wanted to get briefed by. You knew the work wasn't going to be brilliant and you didn't want to probably put that much effort in. So I, I knew that there was some reputation and optics kind of KPIs that we needed to overcome um, and therefore... I knew that because the, we weren't doing a great job back then um, that we had to start looking internally and that we probably didn't have the right people at the time. And um, I unfortunately in that first few months, I think people were telling me I was getting the reputation of called the Grim Reaper, which was something I was pretty keen to get rid of. Um, but I think like any leader who starts an organisation where you're really focused on transformation and change, you need to make those hard decisions and they were hard decisions and I know that they were impacting people's lives back then but I also knew that I had to rip the band-aid off and just get the, some people out and just bring in a completely new leadership team and outside one person that started with me back then who's still in my current leadership team, the entire team is is new and we've all been together for the few years as well and I think that's really important on how loyal we are to each other as well. It's not them being loyal to me, it's me being loyal to them as well. And that's I think a two-way like, street, absolutely. isn't it? And, yeah. uh, and that's something that, you know, when they signed up to be a part of this, they didn't really want to join a vanilla agency either and they were some high-performing individuals. So, you know, I had to give them the sell to join and I made some commitments to them that we were going to be number one and we were going to have some amazing success together but we'd have to, you know, endure some tough work along the way. But um, we've all been able to celebrate and recognise the moments together when we're being awarded, whether that's through, you know, agency of the year or winning a big piece of business that we wanted. Those celebration moments have been so special because we look back to those those conversations three years ago and said, you, Mel, you said that you we were going to have this kind of success and all that sort of stuff. So it's nice that I've been able to, you know, reward and recognise the team off the back of the last few years as well. So is that that endurance, you know, mm. that commitment in the team, mm. is that something that you can create or do you, is it sort of in the, the chemistry of the people and you have to nurture it and support yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think all of the above. You have to encourage and nurture it, but there's an element of magic in that and the magic comes from a combination of individuals and trust and that camaraderie. And that for me was sort of brought up. I, I grew up... Um, under the Melbourne Football Club. I'm a Melbourne girl. My dad was, you know, on the sort of exec for Melbourne Football Club. And my first 10 years of my life, I'd sit and listen to like the quarter time and half time addresses at like the most elite level. And I watched what the coaches 
would say to those individuals, but it wasn't ever about the individuals. It was about the team. And the coaches always use this line. It was like, it's the one percenters. And so I've always really believed in what we use a lot of initiative called the one percenters. And it's not, you know, the what we have to do on the to-do list. It's the magic that surrounds the other bits and pieces and the the ways that we can go over and above for, you know, clients, our own people, publishers, whoever it is. Um, and that's something that's like instilled in the people and they just do that. It becomes like intuitive. It's not me not having to ask them and that's kind of been a, a big part of our, our magic. But you do have to foster it. People get tired. People get burnt out to an extent. People, you know, have like emotional roller coasters on whether they think they're doing a good job or not and, um, you know, second-guessing themselves. So it does require a lot of leaning and nurturing as a leader, yeah. And um, that, you know, they also have uh, struggles, particularly personal struggles mm. as well. It's yeah. like people turn up at work, but they're also turning up with all of the things that uh, are happening in their lives as yeah. well. And I know... This is something that, you know, from your comments and, and your actions mm. is something that's incredibly important to you is mm. is thinking about not just how do I manage and nurture people in, in their workplace mm. but extend that beyond that. Yeah. I, I think that's so important as, you know, high-performing high individual that I'd like to think of myself. I've always had really high expectations of myself and therefore I set those expectations of other individuals but there have been blips in my own personal life that I've had to check myself and think, how am I bringing my best self to work? Or how could I possibly bring my best self to work if I'm going through some big sort of personal trauma and I've been open about, you know, miscarriages that I've had and things that have happened in my life that I don't think this industry nor workplaces were set up for in, in the in years that have gone by in the previous. It was when I looked at an opportunity to change some of those things and one of the, I've been open, one of the miscarriages I, I had was just before COVID and I realised at the time we had no policies around how to ha- help someone, you know, whether yeah. that's male or female or anyone returning from a trauma like that or going through that, how do we start to introduce policies where it makes them not have to feel awkward about telling their leader of what they're going yeah. through or, or that there's the right time on how they do return to work or they return to work slower, whatever it is, yeah. whatever suits the individual. But it was really around um, creating an open, safe environment where people can turn up and if I start telling people some of my stories, it started opening up, you know, there were a lot of females that came to me and said, we've got similar stories, we've struggled with this, we've struggled with that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Because, mm. you know, like when a couple... Or, or an individual mm. suffers a miscarriage. You know, it, mm. it feels like the loneliest feeling in the world. Correct, right? yeah. Except that when you then have the courage to share it, it's mm. amazing how many other people Absolutely. have experienced just the same thing. Yeah. But you, we, we've always, you know, as a, as a society, yeah. we've gone round and, and been silent about it. You know, that's why when I saw yeah. you um, talking about, um, you know, helping, assisting mm. with IVF and things like that mm. for people that you know, are mm. challenged with fertility, you know, it, to expand that because, you know, mm. 10 years ago... Mm. Workplaces and particularly advertising mm. would never have thought about that because it was like it was off off mm. limits. Yeah, 
That change has been very slow, but it's really sped up, hasn't it, with the pandemic and working from home? Definitely. And I think that the good and the bad thing about our industry is usually there's a lot of of copycat syndrome, right? So once someone announces a policy, you'd hope, you know, there there is usually some sort of like following in suit because of the, um, you know, the talent crisis that we've had. So you can't have like one holding group doing something and not the others and then it all become, which has kind of been a good thing because some of the policies are not just from myself but from the industry that have been announced have helped the industry accelerate a lot of that if we're seeing one one place doing that whether that's even agency side or wherever it is but the it gives it almost like some precedent it gives it some you know okayness to go and change that so the acceleration in some of these policies have been fantastic and it's you're genuinely seeing it in the business impacts but also like the retention the inspiration the motivation of our individuals who can come and know that they have a career ahead of them and one of the uh, you know it wasn't just IVF there's some other things like donor sperm and yeah. egg freezing and things because you know I mentioned that I I came into the role as like there were only less than a few female CEOs in the agency sphere at the time when I started and now there's a you know triple as amount which is fantastic but it, that it still is a lot of stigma around do I go off now and have a baby and at what point do I go and do that? And we've got a young industry as well. So mm. just to have um, some empowerment for our females who can go off and think about, well, I'll just freeze my eggs and that gives me some opportunity later, but I can now focus on my career. So then, therefore, they're bringing themselves to work because they've taken a bit of pressure off themselves in thinking that. So... Yeah, that's and also uh, their partners as well. Absolutely, because you know putting more of the responsibility for raising a family on both, you know, and for them to be able to make those decisions. So parental leave rather than maternity leave. Definitely. I mean, some people say, "Oh, that's small things," but it's a it's a measure of the fundamental shift that we've seen and continue to see. The other thing I'd say. And that I really like is it hasn't become about money, or mm. yeah, you know, or just money. Mm. Like there's a cost to these things yeah, from a business yeah. perspective, but I like when these are put in the context of actually being tangible help mm. and assistance and support, yeah. rather than oh, we'll give you ten grand to go and do that. You know, exactly. it sort of reduces it somehow to just a financial transaction. Yeah. I mean, it becomes transactional, like everything else can be when you're talking about your career oh you should stay here for another ten thousand. it's like but what is going to be my future career pathing like what's my next step you know it's 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 a similar sphere to those conversations as well it's people don't just want a transactional conversation when they're talking about themselves they want to know that there's a policy that surrounds that you know around the IVF and the fertility stuff there's policies and it becomes safe to talk about at work and we we celebrate it then and we talk about it in town halls and then the other, you know, when we talk about like all the competitiveness that's gone on in the last few years around the talent crisis and 10K here and 20K there, you know, we introduced a, a really game-changing policy or game-changing initiative called, you know, our career velocity, which is like how do you take your career faster, but we also give you a, a really structured plan of what the next three years for you looks like. And it's around that sort of career growth element so it's not just like here's 20k stay and then we'll deal with you and in six months again when you get something down the the road so I think like the the career development side's been a big focus outside the policy side as well Trinity P3 
I feel that a lot of the complaining about the talent crisis, mm. and there is a talent crisis, yeah. you know, but a lot of the complaining about it was the cost to the business, mm. you know, and, and this is something that uh, I'd be interested in your perspective mm. because, as you mentioned mm. earlier, you came into this with no real hands-on experience mm. working in a media agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been in content, yeah. and yeah, but exactly. not like running the core of the media business. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether that gives a perspective that anything's possible rather than, you know, a lot of the leaders of people that get promoted up through, you know, they start mm. out as a junior buyer or mm. a junior strategist or an account person mm. and because they're good at their job or sometimes just being in the right place at the right time, they find themselves in charge of a media agency. Yeah. Do you find, I guess it's hard to tell because mm. there's not a malfine that's done that, but, mm. you know, does, do you think that's given you more permission to challenge yeah. the, the status quo and yeah. to, to innovate in ways that perhaps some of your competitors haven't? Yeah, I mean, not having the baggage to go through the this is how it's always been done line or this worked for this CEO, so I'll follow in, in studio. Like coming in and having, as I said, sort of an absolute blank piece of paper where we're going to write our own destiny was was really empowering. It's scary but really empowering as well. And then you get some of the amazing brains that I brought in at the time to the leadership team Um and it create it's really fostered that diversity of skill set. Like we we talk about, you know, we Amy and I sort of started and, and led the DNI committee for the MFA, and that's kind of you know very much been a huge important piece of work for the industry. But when you just go back to talking about the experience set and diversity of experience, that for me has been really important because some of the best executives I've brought into the business have never worked a day in the agency. So it actually gave me permission thinking, well, I've sort of been able to work it out along the way. Some, you know, our, our Sydney MDs only was only ever a marketer. I've got, you know, people who've come from all around the world in either just straight marketing, straight publisher side, straight out of wherever different industries. And I think that's been really fulfilling to watch because we buddy them up with people and we give them sort of the basics, but they come in with very different motivations and, and different levels of inspiration. And um, how to foster team and people and culture. I think that sometimes agency mentality, when you grow up in it to an extent, it has become, it became, and I don't see this now, but it was a bit of, you know, that master servant. So some of the people who just worked in agency feel a bit beaten up and they like, mm. it just, it's not a good like place to be. The psyche doesn't feel good mm. around that. And so you get people in from different industries who are really focused on building, you know, teams and they've got a lot of confidence around people leadership or this sort of craft leadership. And you, you sort of, once you combine all those skills, that's where you start building a strong high-performance team. And those people were feeling a bit more beaten down. They see the confidence and the positive positivity coming in from some of these new people. And all of a sudden, you know, you're bringing the whole team up and, and yeah. you know, that's been pretty special. So, you know, you earlier said that initiative mm. prior to your appointment mm. and you were very aware of it mm. had fallen into a rut, mm. you know, like culturally yeah. had, had fallen into a rut. Yeah. It often happens with uh, where there's two brands mm. and one's seen as the lead brand. Yeah. UM for a long time mm. was the lead brand and yeah. initiative was 
yeah. was there. I mean, that's a phenomenal challenge yeah. because it's actually a cultural challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, and you said there were people there that were almost like, well, you didn't say yeah. welded, but, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, I got the feeling that, you know, they were almost welded mm -hmm. to the furniture mm -hmm. because, you know, well, we'll just hang yeah. out here. Safe. Yeah. yeah. I could imagine, you know, for, that that the disruption in some ways was incredibly painful. Mm. You know? what, did, what did they call you? The, the Grim Reaper, the Terminator. <laughs> I've been called the Terminator. Oh, so, nice. yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like it, it's painful because you wear it personally. Mm. But in actual fact, when you make the right decisions, it's liberating for those people yeah. because it then creates opportunities for them to yeah. rethink what they want from their career. Is that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it is difficult personally. Like I think it never gets easier and people think through your career it gets easier to have those conversations. You know, I'm very aware of like the personal impact that has on individuals but then I've seen some of those individuals come out and they're doing great in other roles and I think that it is sometimes if just because you're not good working at a certain place doesn't mean you're not going to be great elsewhere you might be under different leadership or have a different sense of you know motivation or whatever it might be so like I think it, it, it was good for all individuals but it was really you know it was my job to to fix this agency and you know you had to make those calls as I said um, but, you know, bringing in the people that we brought in at the time, my core leadership, I genuinely think are some of the strongest high-performing individuals I've ever worked with. And, you know, we were all so determined together and we got up and we never forget conference one a few years ago and we said to, you know, the couple hundred people in the in company plus 300 people, you know, this is um, you're either on the bus or you're off. And we had a whole big speech about it. And there were people that left after that, which was great. And you go through sort of the radiators and drains, sort of working yeah. out who each of those individuals are. And um, and it was from that moment that it just became, you know, let's all move in the right direction. And, and that's re really special. And it's special not just for, I've been talking about my kind of core leadership team, but it's been the next level down. Like you cannot build an agency just with great leaders, right? Like you, you know better than anyone when the pressure is coming and the, the client challenges are, you know, on a day-in, day-out basis, you need a brilliant engine room and, like, they're the people that would put a lot of that focus in. It wasn't just bringing in and out senior people. It was how do we get great people in every different as aspects of that business. The engine room is, is so important, yeah. Well, and, and going back a step to mm. what you said earlier, um, is this idea of finding the right people, not the right media agency people, mm would be, you know, was so important to you that you filled roles with mm. people that didn't fit the mould of, well, there's someone that's run media mm. agency, so they will have this job. Yeah. You actually expanded and, and, and I imagine in some ways that's yeah. uh, divergence or, or diversity yeah. of cognitive thinking because yeah. their experience they bring. Yeah. While it's not based on uh, race, gender, sexual no, exactly. orientation, yeah, and that, yeah, and that, yeah age yeah um yeah it is based on their experiences yeah. are different from what you would have normally found in a media agency with lots of people that have been working in media agencies yeah 100 percent. i mean you talk about how even our even our hr and our talent team weren't giving me those people right I, it, it takes more work as a leader to go find people that aren't in that same industry or aren't in that same skill set because you know, I've got a short list for some of these roles that came through from HR. None, there were like same, same people from every other agency and it was, you know, a pretty lazy search. And I, at the time, was like, 
I'm going to go have coffee with this person, this person. And when I said these are my favoured people, they're like, do you know how much extra work that's going to be for you? That's a big risk as well. Like you're bringing in people to lead some of our most important clients and they've never worked in agency. Like that's risk, right? And it's risk, everything's risk and reward. But, um, you know, if you put the time in with the individuals, at the end of the day, you just got to get smart, passionate people. We can train the rest, right? It's not... Yeah. It's not rocket science on that side, right? So, yeah. Trinity P3. One of the things that I've always believed about media, because I've never actually worked in it either, is um, I find uh, there's that ancient game of Go. I don't know if you... It's, it's a board with okay. black and white uh, tiles. Right. And, and it's quite simple. The rules are each player takes a turn putting a white tile or a black tile down, and if they encircle the other person, they win that territory. They're the rules. That's it, right? I say to people, media's just like go. The rules are very simple, but it can take a lifetime to actually learn all the nuances and the strategies and those type of things. And I think that's always hard for media agencies because, you know, everyone thinks they understand media, but in actual fact, to really get the nuances. And I imagine within the agency there are those people that are the sort of the pillars mm. of, of media logic or mm. media uh, knowledge yeah. that are important in there as well. Definitely. I mean, you need the craft. We've got amazing craft leads and we've got, you know, as I said, like people that sit under that those teams who are our absolute engine room. But having said that, you know, again, the whole thinking around like you need to have media experience our industry has moved so fast in the last few years so even when I started the role and I'm like oh I've never been bought a spot for tv well you know what like the people we're bringing in probably never will buy a spot for tv now like you know so much of what we do is is automated and you know we're buying through so many different other avenues and different brands and it's so complex and but also that's why I love this industry and a lot of people always ask like would you go back to publisher side or do you prefer agency side and and I always um very focused on the how much I love agency side because you feel like you're learning something every day and I I always say this to my team and the whole company like the moment I stop learning you know I'll tend to my resignation because I love and get motivated by learning but you learn so much every day because we're exposed to clients different clients different categories different publishers different it's every day there is no day the same and you know I think that was the only thing as I sort of moved through my career in publisher side some amazing times and met some amazing people but at the end of the day if you had like you're working for a tv company you had the same slate kind of come in every year and you're like oh great I'm working on that big you know kind of flagship show again and again, the next year, and again, you know, and yes, there's technology and stuff moving, but ultimately it's pretty similar. So I do love, and that's what excites me, even when I'm bringing new people in who have been in different roles, even on the marketing side, and they talk about sort of what their day-to-day looks like. And I'm like, you won't get that. At agency, it's going to be way more diverse than that. And it's really motivating to people. Um, and, you know, as I said, I've made commitments to some of those individuals coming in who really were like but you know we love being in marketers because we see true business outcome we get to see sort of you know how a campaign starts but how it kind of ends we're like well 
if you build great relationships with our clients, you'll be a part of that journey and you'll get to see, be a part of from the start and you'll get to be part of and hopefully celebrate the results as well. And it's been so much about building the trust and relationships with clients for us and that's what, you know, our focus as a, as a team is on, um, that they've been able to do that now. So, yeah, we get they get the breadth of yeah. what they had but a lot more, yeah. It's interesting listening to you because, you know, what we saw as consultants mm. is this big shift over the last two decades. You mm. know, there was a time when media was all about bigger is better, we buy better because we are bigger. Mm. And there was always the, the agencies going, well, we're actually mm. we're being smarter about Correct. it. And that balance has completely shifted, mm. you know, that it's much more, as it's become more complex, mm. as there's more decisions to be made, yeah. I think in market are finding themselves wanting partners that can help them navigate the complexity Definitely. that yeah. actually feel like they have a skin in the game you mm. know i love when you said you mm. know uh marketer you know you're mm. recruiting marketers mm. that said well i like to see business mm. outcomes mm. that's exactly what uh marketers are looking for in their agencies Correct. is people that are you know yeah. viscerally want to do a job that delivers not just a good campaign but yeah. a good outcome for their client. Yeah, I mean, that's why our contracts have changed so much in the last few years as well. You know, there's more skin in the game because we want to be on the journey with those clients as well. And, you know, it, it is so important to have that level of trust and relationship with the client to go through that. And you're right to your point earlier, like the game's changed, right? It doesn't just, it's not just about scale anymore. Um, we're seeing some of the best indies, some of the indies come up to be some of the best agencies and I, and I love seeing that. And it gives, you know, it's not just like the big Holcos kind of having full power. You know, a big client can go to any agency now and sort of use the back end of, um, you know, some of the Holcos. And I think we're seeing some of the, you know, we always look at who are our competitors, what are, like, what do we need to be conscious of coming into new business pictures and we'll do the landscape kind of, you know, model and, you know, it isn't just about sort of Holcos for us anymore. It's not like, well, they're bigger. They've got more investment coming out of their Holcos, so therefore they're probably going to get cheaper rates. Like we know that pitches have changed so much and that the chemistry and the, the strategic nuance that we bring into the pitches, like we really focus on that. But also like then coming into, you know, how we set up the contract, very few pitches now, you guys would know this, have like, you know, very old school media pricing and like that's like yeah. you know I, and I like, totally agree totally yeah. agree but there's still enough clients out there that are stuck in that model yeah know? and there are and that's and you know what and that that's okay too because those templates are fairly quick and easy for us to to fill out these days right it, it, it's like this is what we're going to go to we're not you know it, it creates horrific business for the TV networks and for some of the other oh. publishers, if we're just like all getting in a fight over a media pricing spreadsheet. And we saw that happen with one of the global clients a couple of years ago. Um, and of course, to, you know, we had to walk away a couple of years later, they've called us back. They're like, you know, do you want to have another go? Not a chance because we saw the impact that it was mm. having and they couldn't deliver on any of those deals anyway. Oh, so, and, and that for us was yeah. the worst part. You know, when we were working with procurement, yeah. they'd go, well, we've got to do this buying mm. exercise. 
So why? You, you're wanting the agencies to over-promise and under-deliver. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is the worst, worst. And, and besides, what's it achieving anyway? No, exactly. I mean, you know, we... But we've moved on. Yeah, you know, we have. Hopefully we've moved on. The buying benchmarking is, you know, old school. And yeah. people are looking at how can we do it better, not just cheaper. Yeah, and we've had some um, fantastic, you know, strategic investment leads, you know, have come through initiative and even IPG media brands that have sort of changed the way that we buy, you know, whether, and we won't get into it today, but, you know, very much focus on kind of, you know, the the addressable world that we live in versus, you know, just the good old, like, mm. demographic CPM buying and, you know, but we still have global clients that we need to benchmark and that's the core of our business and we'll, you know, we, we do what we have to, but we see the results for some of the campaigns come through in the ones that we're really using our strategic muscle our planning muscle like they're the ones where we really start to see better business results than we do whether it just goes through our investment team so yeah, yeah good balance trinity p3 so mel to get back to the team yeah um because you talked about the management team and mm. then the next layer down how do you make sure that everyone because how you know initiative australia how many people are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, 250 plus now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two, that's a yeah. large group of people. Yeah. How do you make sure that everyone gets that sense of achievement, that sense of success? When uh, you win a new piece of business that perhaps a small team were working on or yeah. a campaign really delivers and the clients, you know, more than happy for initiative to get that bonus. Yeah. How do you make sure that everyone feels that sense of achievement? Because that's a big part of turning it's, up for it's work. It's a huge part of turning up. And it, it's what motivates me as well. I think, firstly, the first half of your question, really important that what, what I, again, not having sort of the legacy of being an agency lead, what I always saw was agencies hire good talent after they've won the business, right? So they, and I was like. And pay them well. Yeah. And I was, yeah. And I was like, that that's a bit nonsensical. Of course, you're going to have to hire more people to do some of the engine room work. But for me, it was always about building the strongest strategic bench in the country, building up the best talent before we win the business, right? So I've always gone to, and IPG being great in this, if you put a good business case in, you get the investment before. So you the team that you're taking to that new business pitch the team that's going to be delivering the work. It's not like here's a couple of people and then you'll get a whole new team in a few weeks. Um, and that's been a really big focus. So we bring the team in, we've got the camaraderie, we've got the culture going, then how do we start to celebrate the success of those individuals? Well, I have to give back to each of those individuals and you can't just do it in a way of like, you know, continuing pay rises. We all have, you know, shareholders we need to report to and we're still listed company in New York and you know the, we, we have a budget every year that I need to work with so we've rec- we created quite a few different programs but the one focus this year particularly that I set out was something you know really focusing on our employee experience you mentioned it earlier the world has changed post-pandemic every individual wants something very different like that might be more flexibility work from home some of these policies that we've talked about some more career development, some, you know, whatever it is, every single individual is different. Like there is not a leader who, when you ran a business five years ago, you could say, this is what I'm doing for the company and that's the way it rolls. And you will announce that at town hall. Well, gone are those days. Everything needs to be individualised. So we, we created a whole employee experience program. I've had an amazing lead who's just led this employee experience program. She's gone and travelled um, with some support in each state 
and we've uh, focused on that in the last few weeks. And if we just have to, the main thing to come out of that is that every single individual initiative has what we call the career velocity plan, and that's their individualised plan. And that helps them celebrate the success with us. It recognises where they've been, but also where they're going. And it's all in writing. It talks yeah, about, fantastic. you know, what pay increase they're getting, you know, all of the other bits. And of course, like when we get a bonus as a business, we try and celebrate, you know, that and share it around the business. But of course, bonuses are complicated and mm. holding groups because it's relying on, you know, a few different elements. Um, so we just, we anything that I can control and bonuses is something I can't, that we do put those individualised plans in because we need every single person to be motivated to be a successful yeah. company, not just my leadership team. So, yeah. yeah, they've got to feel that success Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. We, yeah. we do a lot of that celebration and, um, you know, I, I grew up in the MTV era. I love to celebrate and I, you know, I um, have had some amazing big, you know, celebratory moments through my career and I saw the camaraderie that got built out of that. And the one thing that we've always been focused on win, lose or draw is celebrating the teamwork that goes behind pitches, the, you know, just celebrating good quarter results. We we have our yeah. town halls regularly. We do a lot of celebration. We do it by state. There's a lot that goes into that as well because those moments in time, like we can't wait for the end of the year to celebrate. We have to do it consistently through the year as well. Yeah, it can't be the once a year. No. Yeah, here it is for everyone. No, yeah, exactly. Because oh, really. yeah. um, you said earlier, you know, and when you were initially recruiting your leadership team, mm. you know, there, there was that sense. You mm. didn't sound like you gilded the lily or, or tried to sugarcoat it. You mm. said this is going to be tough. Yeah. And uh, that's the other thing I like about mm. your approach mm. is that you're willing to make honest but tough demands, mm. but likewise the upside is great. And mm. I think that's, you know, the thing is that sometimes people get burnt out because it's like hard times, hard times, hard times without those celebrations or the good times coming in. Definitely. I think, you know, we talk about expectation setting and that does build a high performance team as well. Our promise is you come to work to work at initiative to produce the best work of your career. And that is a big expectation for us to deliver as a yeah. business, for our clients to fulfil on that. We tell the clients that, like, we have to fulfil on that for our people, um, but we need the right processes, framework, talent, all, all of that to, to make good on that promise. But when we do, those moments of celebration are so special. And we had a, a moment in time, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, and, you know, we celebrate, I had um, four out of five shortlisted for the engine for the MFA awards. And it's that young talent coming through. It's the next generation that they're feeling like they've come to initiative to produce the best work of their career, to get recognised and have so much great young talent in the one agency and, you know, win those awards, watching them celebrate that night, like I got more out of watching them as that group celebrate than I do when we win like an agency of the year because they're the ones who are going to be, you know, our bosses in 10, yeah, 15 the years. Leaders. They're the future yeah. leaders and you know that the industry is in good hands because they're, their passion and focus and energy that goes not just into the entries but into their everyday work is so focused on societal political, sustainable issues. We never had that growing up. And, you know, I had a girl who's three months out of uni write an amazing piece on the Kanye 
piece last week and, you know, to have that sort of level of wisdom, you know, mm. three months out of uni, like I, I am, I'm in awe of our next generation. So, um, you know, our, our job is just to foster that talent and bring them up. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to share with you a conversation I had probably 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, so it's a long time ago. But I, I've always felt that there's people in the industry that still hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about um, the fact that, you know, there wasn't the opportunity for mentoring within organisations. And they said, well, it, Darren, you have to understand in the old days when we got paid good money, you could have a structure that was quite balanced mm. and there was a good amount of senior people, mid-level people and mm. juniors. And I said, OK, I got that. And I, well, with all this pressure on fees, we've had to slim out the middle. Now, we've turned that into a positive by calling it a very flat structure. Mm. But really what it means is that we basically live on lots and lots of juniors. Mm. And I said, okay, but what what, what happens to them? You know, because mm. you recruit them out of university mm. or, or wherever. What's and, Oh, well, we just see which ones survive and then they'll make it up through the... Uh, through the uh, mid-level and and hopefully one day become senior people. That was the sort of mentality. Mm. which They ended up with this sort of very slim at the top, nothing in the middle, and then this big wide base. And it was a time when marketers were very aware of that they felt like there was no depth in Mm. the agencies. Clearly that's changed. Mm. But in what ways has it changed from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, it's some worrying comments in that. We need, we we talk at at a leadership team about being a very hands-on leadership team, right? So we're not hierarchical in the, this is, you know, a a role that an MD or a CEO or whatever would do. We're very lean in and especially my core senior team are unbelievable at that mentorship through, through the different levels. But you have to have those different levels because... We talk about the mental health issues of our industry, right, and the burnout. If I had, like, just a a level that are sort of the, you know, three to five years or two to five years kind of people um, of the industry and that was saturated and we had more of them than the the 10-plus year kind of, um, we'd see even more levels of burnout because the expectations, obviously from clients, but these are big conversations. We are still Mm. at the end of the day responsible for clients' expenditures that can go upwards of, you know, $50, $100 million. Like there needs to be maturity. There needs to be responsibility. There needs to be some very deep level training to go and handle that Mm. level of money. So we cannot have Hunger Games style mentality of, hey, put them at the bottom, see who's good, and then they'll work it out. And if they go to the next level, like everything is so carefully crafted on these career mapping plans on you get to this level. And that's why these, and and call them career velocity plans are so important because there are, um, we call them, you know, I know a lot of people call them the entitled generation of, hey, I want to go to the next level pretty quickly. And that's okay. Like let's, let's own that, but let's not just do that because they've threatened to move down the road for another 10K. Let's make sure that if we, if you want to move to that level, let's put a time frame around it. Let's say 12 months, but here's all the things that you need to learn in those 12 months. And we're going to put you through different levels of coaching. There might be different levels of mentorship. There might be different levels of craft skills and experience that you will have to tick off before you can even think about getting that promotion because it is, it, it would be so irresponsible of me to put them in a situation 
where their pressure and stress levels would be so extreme because the expectations change and then that's where we start to get some of the mental other health mental and burnout, health and burnout and, issues. Yeah. And obviously then we have client issues, right, because they're saying to me, how have I got someone with one or two years' experience, like, doing some really big and, and, and look, it's still an issue. Yeah. You know, marketers still struggle with some agencies, you know, a high turnover of staff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this, this change has been driven by two things. One mm. is the talent crisis, mm. you know. Yeah. It's not like you can just fill your agency with lots of juniors. They've yeah. got lots of choices yeah. and, and we haven't made the industry as attractive as we probably should have, mm-hmm. right? And I'm also wondering if it's because there's a switch in mentality, mm-hmm. which is about, you know, how do we invest in this resource? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and whether some of the changes that you mentioned earlier, you know, that we are getting fresh approaches and fresh yeah. thinking into the advertising and particularly the media industry, yeah. you know, that people like yourself are yeah. getting the opportunity to lead major agencies mm-hmm. and coming to it with a, you know, with uh, thinking that's outside of the traditional agency models. Yeah, and I think as a leader, you have to be relentless with that now. You cannot just sort of sit on our hands and say, okay, well, you know, it feels like it's in a pretty decent place. I'll kind of get back to doing my day job. Like every day I'm thinking what's next and what do I, how can I present this in my, you know, forward plan budget for IPG next year and I've put some ideas in, you know, for next year's budget. Like it is relentless because there are other options there's not just the options of competitor groups and industries but also the mentality of like this this generation of thinking you know startup is appealing and you know there's other area entrepreneurial and being creators and all that sort of stuff and it's like yeah and you know yeah it's very competitive and I um my my job is to give those guys an opportunity and not think that they're going to have a whole career of initiative, right? So, like, we have a very honest career a conversation about this could be three years, this could be five years. We want to manage turnover, to your point. Clients are, are, be, are sick of that and, and, you know, we see it and we hear it. Um, but we also want to say, like, within your th- next three years or whatever we've got you for, if you want to be a creator, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be, like, let's help foster this. And we've got you know, more trade press public, more trade press pieces being published at the moment. I think the most agencies like we're fostering that writing. They're running our TikTok pages. They're Which doing is like brilliant. Some, some like it's amazing brilliant. stuff. Yeah. And so there's got to be more to it than just doing your day job. Like yeah. I have, um, we created what's called like our micro committees, and we've got chairs of each of those five committees, and that includes everything from inclusion to pride to sustainability to you know to our indigenous. Like it is. So they come in with all these deep-seated passions and, you know, we've got our impact team who do the work for good. So this is all stuff they do in their own time as well, like we're doing um, pro bono work and not-for-profit work and then work on obviously um, working with publishers on what their carbon neutral plans look like and all this sort of stuff. But it's there's passions that are now coming in from all different levels. So as long as we find those individuals and find how to foster that, there are opportunities and the clients are great. Like I've run clients and said, you know, this person's doing a great job on your business. Do you mind if they also lead the pride committee or something for us? I mean, it's yeah. obviously going to be tough for a client to say no to something like that, but they see some of the, how that balances out and, and what that 
person when but they're But I love happy. the transparency in that. Yeah. Now, you know, because one of the things that they uh, that they hate mm. is where suddenly someone disappears and there's someone new. Yeah. And there's yeah. no communication. You yeah. Know, or, or this is your new person. It's yeah. like, hang on. Oh, well, you know, all it would take is, well, what this person's done a really good job and so we see an opportunity and tell them beforehand. Exactly. Don't have a stranger pop up and suddenly, you know, yeah. which, believe me, these are the types of stories we hear. Sure. You know, to, yeah. to the point that, you know, I feel like I get all the, the negative stories. So it's because people talk to us when they've got a problem. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, you know, all my, a lot of my learnings have been through our problems, don't get me wrong, like along the way, and we've made decisions where maybe in early days we would have done something like that and put someone in and learnt the hard way. But it, it should only take one time, really. You know, to we should Learn. only have one mistake that we can fix and learn. It's just when I get frustrated when we're seeing many mistakes and then, they're not learning, you know, in that that's kind of so like everyone, I think clients are, are really when you've got a trusted relationship, they see, you know, things stuff up and they're like, as long as we're open and transparent about it or as long as we're telling each other when we've got team changeovers or turnovers, like, again, it comes with that sort of trusted relationship. Yeah. Melissa Fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time and, and sitting down and having this conversation. But we've run out of time. Thank you for having me. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. I love having a cup of coffee with you, Darren. So thank you. <laughs> um, look, before you go, quick question. And that is, you know, we've talked a lot about building uh, high-performing teams. But what do you look for a client that you think will add to that high-performing team? What is it that they need to show you? Thank you.